covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We speak after the Brewers just got done with a road trip where they swept San Diego and then took two of three from the Cubs. Brewers are playing some pretty good baseball right now. Small sample size. We've said it time and time again. But uh, here through the first few weeks of the season, Brewers staying with a record of 13-8, and and they are the first-place team in the National League Central. We've got a lot to get to this week. Our housekeeping items that we always do here at the top of the podcast. Want to get in contact with me? Do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and want to subscribe and leave a ranking and review, I would very much appreciate that. Andrew Wagner is going to join us, welcoming him back onto the podcast coming up here in just a few moments. Brewers are playing some really good baseball right now. Just just a solid team doing a lot of really nice things, doing those things without some key players. Christian Yelich continues to be on the injured list. Lorenzo Cain continues to be on the IL. They just got Colton Wong back. Wong, uh, his bat's been on fire since he has returned. But it's really been the pitching that's been impressive. We've talked so much this year about starting pitching, but you look at what the bullpen has done, what they did in the San Diego series, and even what they did in the Cubs series, especially the two wins, and uh, the way that they were even able, specifically Josh Lindblom on Friday, the way that that game was kept in a position where they didn't have to use any high leverage guys, and it wasn't a situation where they were using too many guys uh, in that game. Uh, there was some value to what the bullpen did, even on Friday in that blowout game. All in all, the team and the pitching is doing uh, a really nice job. And I was thinking about this, especially Josh Lindblom did not pitch well on Friday. And I know there's some out there that try to say, well, you know, he went out there and he did his job because he ate innings. And in, in some ways, that's true. His his number one job there was to eat innings. He did not perform well. I'm not going to tell you that he performed well, but he performed in a manner. He did really what the team needed to do. Team wasn't going to win that game. That was that was a game that was almost lost even before he got in there. I guess he gave up some runs right there, but they were just in a really tough situation with what happened with Brett Anderson and he was not effective before he had to come out due to injury and it was just it was going to be an uphill battle uh, even if Lindblom pitches well in that game and he didn't pitch well and he they, they they lost by a bunch but they were positioned to still be able to win games on Saturday and Sunday and I think that's notable I, I think that's very notable and even on Sunday, because they were they were using all their high leverage guys. They used JP Fireisen and Devin Williams on Saturday and Sunday. And it looked like Hader was going to come in for the ninth on Sunday. And then the Brewers, they were able to uh, score five runs on Sunday in the top of the ninth inning. And they didn't have to go to Hader. And that may, it may not, but that may pay out coming up on Monday, say, if they have a, if they have a, a tight lead against the Marlins going late in that contest. They'll have Josh Hader available, and if Hader would have pitched on Sunday, that would have been back-to-backs from Fireisen, Williams, and Hader. I have a hard time believing that any of those guys would be available on Monday if that's the case. Now, Fireisen and Williams won't be available, but at least you have Hader. So it's just 
I've been thinking a lot about this. I talked about it a lot on my post-game show after the game on Sunday, uh, just how much one game can really impact the next game, and uh, that was something that's kind of been on my mind a bit recently. The injuries, I don't know what the team's going to do with the starting rotation uh, with Brett Anderson being out. That's that's a question that's going to be answered later on in this week. I really thought there was a chance that as they got into this streak of 17 games without an off day, that they might go into a six-man rotation or they might just kind of selectively take a day or two during these 17 days and make it a bullpen game if it would work out. Now all of a sudden you don't have Brett Anderson, so your five spot is open. You don't have Josh Lindblom. He's on the injured list. He was a candidate to move into that spot, but he's not going to be moving into that spot. So... If you're going to stick with a five-man rotation, you got to find somebody to take that fifth spot. If you're going to go to a six-man rotation or if you were going to go with a bullpen game, that could be impacted by this as all. Well. Because if you sit, let's say you want to go with Brent Suter as your number five starter. Well, he's not really stretched out. So maybe at the most, maybe you get five innings out of him. That's going to require four innings being covered by your bullpen and there's no even that's not even a guarantee that you would get the five innings out of Suter how does that impact what you want to maybe do uh, if you're going to use a bullpen game as a six starter I think it's I think it's really compelling to see what kind of decisions they'll make with the guys who are at the alternate training site because they're not really playing games there. They have a game here and there against guys from the uh, White Sox alternate training site. They've done that a little bit, but it's not like an everyday sort of thing. It's a lot of inter-squad scrimmaging. And, yeah, you can have a pitcher stretched out. You you can have a pitcher go throw 80, 90 pitches every fifth day, but go throwing an inter-squad game or go throwing uh, a 90-inning, you know, up-and-down kind of simulated game, whatever it might be, that that's a lot different than even a triple-A game. I would even argue that probably the exhibitions against the White Sox alternate training site feels incredibly different than what you would see in a triple-A game. So it's going to be good for all parties involved once the minor league season gets started here very, very soon. But if they do choose to bring up a guy who has been stretched out to be part of the triple-A starting rotation, all of a sudden this individual is going to be going from kind of pitching these this non-competitive outings at the alternate training site to pitching a game in Major League Baseball. And it's not like it's a disadvantage, but it's not a disadvantage in the sense that every team in baseball is dealing with it. But I also think when you when you just look at everything that's going on during the pandemic, that's one that uh, that's that's different and I, they did it last year, but nothing was normal last year, right? Like Everything was weird last year. This year, there's a little bit more normalcy, but one of the weird things still is uh, using the alternate training site here, at least the, at the beginning of the season, and that's going to clear up here uh, fairly soon. Last thing, I just want to – this is probably the number one question we get uh, on our post-game show, and it's a very valid question. When I, sometimes when I say that, sometimes that's oh, the number one question we get. Uh, maybe I'm being dismissive. I'm not being dismissive. At all, I think it's a really valid question, and I think the Brewers, of everything that's going right for them, the one area that's not completely going right, and I guess we just mentioned the starting rotation now that there's an injury and they got to figure that out, but the, the thing that's kind of been the consistent issue since the start of the season is what to do with Keston here. And we've talked about it. We have talked about it uh, on this this program. We talk about it on the post game. There's uh, there's been no lack for conversation about what you do with Keston Hira. I 
he had the three-hit day on Saturday. I really wish the weather conditions at Wrigley Field on Sunday would have been more normal, giving him more of an opportunity to maybe come up with a base hit or two. It was just a really tough day uh, at the plate. And I, I just I would have really liked to have seen him be able to follow up the three hit day on Saturday by getting another hit or two on Sunday. Then it would have felt like maybe the momentum was starting to carry in his favor in terms of getting his bat going. I'll repeat what I've said over and over, but it's it's worth repeating because it's it's just such a tough situation that the Brewers are in right now. They have a very strong belief in Castanera's bat. Very strong. They believe it is a bat that can carry the team. They believe it can be one of the top bats on the team, a middle-of-the-order, impactful bat. It has not been that so far this year. So the question then comes up, how do you get it? How do you get that thing? And you give them opportunities at the plate. You put them in games, right? That's what they're doing. They're, they're continuing to give him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Now, on any given day basis, based off the way he's hitting the ball right now, he's a 150 hitter who's striking out a lot. Does Daniel Vogelback give you a better chance to win that day's game on any given day right now? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I can go with that. Vogelback's giving you better at-bats right now. I, I, I don't think you can argue that for the most part. But in a 162-game season, and people don't like to hear this, but, but it's true. In a 162-game season, it's not always about what's going to win you today's game. It's about what makes you the best team. It's about what wins you the most games over 162 games. And the Brewers believe, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, that actually doesn't really matter for what we're talking about right now because what we're talking about is what they're doing. The Brewers believe that here is bat is good enough that it is going to get going at some point this year and it is going to result in many more wins for this team as the season goes along. We can argue whether they're right or wrong on that, but that's that's not what I'm going to argue here. That's what they're doing and how much leash you give a guy is is a really interesting thing to watch. And last uh, the conversation right now would be very different if this was last year's season. If this was last year's season, they would they're approaching the halfway point of the regular season if this was last year's season. You did not have the time to give guys the leash to try to figure it out last year. But in a 162 game season, you uh, you absolutely do have the opportunity to do that, but there does get to a point where okay, it's gone far enough, and you got to try something different. I don't think you even start to have those conversations until the minor league season gets started, and then even after that, I think you continue to to give him opportunities because you truly believe in that bat. But it's it's not a great situation, and it's a it's a tough deal right now when you're inserting a guy into the lineup every day who's maybe not the the immediate impact bat that you have available simply because of what you're trying to get out of them as the season uh, does go along. If if Keston here is still hitting 150, if he's still striking out as often as he's striking out now, and we're two weeks, we're three weeks, we're a month down the line, like I, I don't know when the line is, but there, there's going to be a point where there will be a decision to be made. 
And whether that's sending him to AAA, whether uh, that's kind of finding an injury, giving him a little bit of time off on the injured list, and then getting him a rehab stint at AAA before getting him back to the big leagues, whatever it might be, those are discussions that will be had at some point this season if Hira's bat does not get going. Uh, he's He had the three-hit day on Saturday, hit the ball hard on Friday, Sunday, just horrendous weather conditions for hitting. So giving the benefit of the doubt to Hira, let's throw Sunday out. And now I would argue this is a really important week for him because it feels like he's got a little bit of momentum with what he's been doing. Again, the three-hit day on on Saturday, and they were even though he didn't have any hits, they were happy with the way he looked at the plate on Friday. What's he going to do in these seven straight games that are going to be played at American Family Field beginning on Monday? We, I'm not saying we're going to learn a lot about whether or not he's eventually going to get going this year, but I think maybe this time next week we'll have more of a, a firm grasp on Okay, is this really turning around for him, or these these uncomfortable conversations and these uncomfortable decisions that might have to get made at some point? Okay, they're, they're getting that much closer. That this is something that the Brewers have got to be thinking about at, at this point in time. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um, and and Brewers fans and the Brewers organization should be hopeful that they never get there, and that. The Friday-Saturday performance, more the Saturday performance with the three hits, was uh, was a sign of things to come for for Keston Hero. Uh, last thing, just uh, uh, last week we talked we, we talked a lot about Christian Yelich a lot. I know I said last thing a moment ago. I've got one more thing I want to get to before we get to Andrew Wagner. Uh, I am I am I am concerned about Yelich's back because there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of answers over the weekend. They sent him back to. Milwaukee prior to the series against the Cubs coming to an end for him to get an MRI. Uh, the comments from manager Craig Council prior to the game on Sunday was that nothing showed up on the MRI that kind of that changed the way that they were going to be going about things. So the way I interpret that is there's no there's no major issue or there's no there's no issue that showed up on the MRI that surprised them or is going to result in you know surgery or really shutting them down something like that so that's that's good news I, I do think it's still a little alarming that you know when, when this first happened remember they didn't put him on the injured list they thought he'd be able to sit out a few days and come back and that's how it's always been when he's had this back issue pop up. And then he goes on the injured list, right? And um, spends a couple of days away from baseball activities. And then he starts to ramp up again. And there's talk about, okay, he's going to maybe come off the injured list when he is eligible to come off over the weekend. Well, then all of a sudden the back's not responding the way that they want it to respond. And they send him to Milwaukee to get uh, the MRI over the weekend. It's just things are not going in the direction that you would want them to go. I don't. I think if it was some sort of long-term deal that was going to really impact him for the entire season, I think we would know at this point. Just from uh, they probably would have said more when the MRI came back. But the the fact of the matter is, there's no timeline on this. There's no timetable on when Christian Yelich might be able to return. Teams with good depth can survive injuries for a little while, and. We've seen Billy McKinney really play well. 
the hits that he's come up with have been big hits. Uh, he's made some nice defensive plays, including that catch that saved a couple runs. That was just one of the most incredible catches that you are ever, ever, ever going to see. And I'm not, I'm not saying that guys can't continue to perform well. Tyrone Taylor has performed well. And Corey Ray's major league debut, he had a walk in a really big inning that extended the inning. So guys are doing things well. At the same time, a lot of times, if, if you're a good team and you have good depth and you're missing a bunch of key players, that depth can perform generally for kind of a, a finite amount of time. And then eventually, whether it's regressing to the mean or whether there's video out or scouting reports out, whatever it might be, at some point in time, the performances start to fall back a little bit. And that's, you would think that there is a chance that that could happen with the Brewers. So... It's not an urgent thing. It's still really early on in the season. There's still a lot, you know. It's at this point, it's more important to get uh, to get Yelich in a in a spot where he's going to be able to be healthy for the most part for the rest of the year. It's not important to rush him back just to be able to get him back playing in games. Yeah, you know, if if he has to sit out an extra week in April and May so he's able to play more in July, August, September, I think you can you, you give that up a little bit. Uh, and that's probably where they're at. But being concerned about uh, that that organizational depth and the major league depth continuing to perform, I think that's something to be worried about. The good news is it sounds like Lorenzo Cain's going to be back at some point this week. He's been going through uh, baseball activities. You don't get the feeling that he'll be back for that first game of the Miami series, but I guess it could happen. You might already be listening to this at a point of the week where we already know, but I would be surprised. I'd be really surprised if he is not activated by the end of the week. If we're doing this podcast next week and he is still on the injured list, you can. Uh, I will be surprised at that point in time, and we'll see. All right, uh, let's get to this week's conversation. Very happy to welcome back onto the podcast someone that you can read at uh, Forbes Sports. Of course, follow him on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner, B-Y, Andrew Wagner. And uh, he joins us right now here on Brewers Extra Innings of the Podcast. Andrew, always appreciate you coming on and taking a little bit of time uh, with us. How are you doing? I'm well, Matt. How are you? I am good. Uh, we're talking at the end of a road trip for the Brewers where they sweep the Padres and then take two out of three against Chicago. They do it all without Christian Yelich. They do it all without Lorenzo Cain. Uh, they do a lot of it without Colton Wong. Uh, I mean, this is... It's still early on in the season. There's still a whole lot to accomplish, but I would have to think that you would say that it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do here through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, you know, you've got to tip your cap. We, we, we hear David Stearns talk all the time about putting an emphasis and a priority on depth and versatility, and we all roll our eyes and we all say, oh, why don't you just go out and get one guy, um, and here's why, you know. Uh Every single person on that 40-man roster has a value to this team at the major league level, uh, and you're seeing that in action over these last couple of weeks. You know, if if you would have told anybody on that team that they'd be sitting in first place at this point in the season without those guys, I think even some of them would have kind of you know rolled their eyes at you. But it's it's impressive what they've been able to accomplish so far, considering. You know, that the fact that they didn't have any offense to start the first couple games of the season. And then they, they, they played the next couple of weeks, you know, without some of their key guys. And the bullpen hadn't shaken out yet. And, you know, here they are, not even close to clicking on all cylinders. And they're playing very strong baseball. 
it, it obviously starts with the pitching and the starting pitching specifically. It's for me one of the reasons I think that there is a lot of sustainability to this team's ability to win games is I have a hard time believing they're going to go on any type of long losing streak when you've got Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. Now, if those guys get injured or something crazy happens, then we can reevaluate what I'm saying here. But for the most part, if you've got those guys pitching every fifth or sixth day, it seems like it's going to be hard for losing streaks to really extend very far. And I mean, over a course of a 162-game season, sometimes uh, one of the one of the main goals, one of the main ways to be successful, is to avoid longer losing streaks. Absolutely, you know. It's, it's- you play 162 games. You're not. We you know you're not going to win every single game. No team has ever done it. It, it just doesn't happen. So uh, you look at it on a more micro level, and the goal is to win series. And listen, with that Brewers pitching staff, they've got great opportunity to win every single series that they're in because of the guys that they have at the front. And obviously, you're not going to get one, two in every single series for the rest of those guys holding their own. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's exactly right. You're avoiding losing streaks, and that is, in turn, how you have winning success over the course of the season. Andrew Wagner continuing to join us. It's Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. One of the issues that does happen this week, Brett Anderson goes to the injured list. Uh, then Josh Lindblom goes to the injured list. There was so, I, I was one of them. There was a lot of people that speculated as the Brewers go through these 17 games on off day that this might be that first opportunity to go to a six-man rotation, at least for a little bit of it. And now they're looking for that fifth starter. And if they were to go to some sort of six man rotation they'd be looking potentially for a six starter or they'd be looking for days to potentially go with a bullpen game what do you expect this club to do here uh especially while brett anderson's on the injury list you know the, the losing anderson's kind of a kind of a tough one you know he he gets overlooked uh obviously by what corbin and, and brandon woodruff have done this year but that seven inning outing the other day was was so crucial to what the Brewers have been able to do because it preserves your bullpen and, you know, not just that day, but moving forward. So I think that one's going to sting. I am curious to see how they react to this. Uh, you know, they've talked a lot about their pitching depth and getting guys stretched out. I don't know, you know, what their next move is going to be. We've asked Craig Council about it. He says, you know, we've got time to make that decision. you got to wonder if maybe they, they take a flyer on, uh, you know, a guy like, like Jordan Zimmerman, maybe uh, bringing him up from the alt site. Of course, he'd have a clear spot in the roster. Maybe you give Brett Suter a spot, spot, uh, stop that spot starts. If you forgive me for stumbling over my own tongue, you know they've they, they've got options, and you also don't want to rule out the possibility they can go for a bullpen day. They, they've had success with that in the past, so you know it, it, it'll be curious to see what they do. They do have a little bit of time before they do that, but uh, you know you, they've had depth in the position player ranks. Now you're going to see if they're going to have depth in the pitching. Craig Council talked about this a little bit on Sunday in his pregame media availability. When you're bringing guys up from the alt site, it's it's different than when the when the minor league season is going because yeah, these guys are getting stretched out. They're act, they're, they're throwing pitches but they're not throwing pitches in a competitive environment. There's a game here or there against like the White Sox alternate training site team, but even that doesn't feel like a, a true AAA or minor league game. Outside of that, it's just a lot of 
uh, inner squad scrimmaging and things like that. And yeah, a guy can go throw 80 pitches, but it's different than throwing 80, 85, 90 pitches inside of a minor league game. I don't know about you. I'm going to be really curious to see if they do say call up a Jordan Zimmerman or call somebody else up uh, from the alt side who they're setting up to be a starter at AAA this year, what they're going to look like coming in from an environment that's been mostly non-competitive. Yeah, that's the that's the twenty five million dollar question right now, and it, it throws so much into the great unknown, and you can only wait and see it. And I wonder if part of that leads them to consider some outside the box internal options, just because, like you said, they don't have competitive innings under them. So it is uh, it, it's going to be one of those strange flukes of modern baseball, modern COVID baseball. You just kind of got to wait and see. What? How worried are you about Christian Yelich's back? And I, I, I asked that in terms of long term because he was sent back to Milwaukee for an MRI. MRI didn't see show anything of note, at least according to uh, counsel on Sunday. So it's, it's we still don't have a timeline on when he's going to return. But this thing just continues to linger. What's your what's your level of worry about that back issue and how it may impact him through the course of the entire season? Ah, that's a tough one because you know. As much as I've had problems with my body, knees, shoulders, I've never had to deal with back problems, knock on wood, so I don't really know just how pesky and annoying that is. I don't think from everything they're saying, it, it doesn't sound like it's something that's overly concerning. You know, I, I have to believe that if this was, you know, September, uh, we'd see Christian Yelich back out there already. I wonder if part of this is, you know what, it's still April. We have a long, long way to go. We're having great success with the outfielders we do have. They do have that flexibility that Jackie Bradley provides. Yes, obviously, you know, you're also missing Lokane. Uh, I, I, I got to believe that they're being a little bit on the, the side of overly cautious right now just to make sure that they can knock this thing completely out and not have to worry about it in June or July or August or, again, like I said, in September. It's um, You mentioned – David Stearns and talking about depth and all that earlier in the the podcast interview. So I had to laugh the other day. I think it was Saturday when Avisael Garcia was not available. So he had a lineup that did not include Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, or uh, Garcia. So it's it's Jackie Bradley Jr. and Billy McKinney and Tyrone Taylor. Uh, Corey Ray got in there a little bit. And I just had to chuckle because if uh, when spring training got started this year, if you would have said there's going to be a game in the first month of the season where your starting outfield is, is that group, I don't think a lot of people would have believed you or they would have said, okay, something has gone terribly wrong if that's your outfield group at that point in the year. And something did obviously go terribly wrong, and yet, you know, they're they're, they're not missing the beat over it. And it, it's just so impressive. And, you know, Billy McKinney, I thought Will Salmon had just a great story the other day about McKinney, and I love the headline, too, you know, basically saying, you know, David Stearns has the last laugh here because, we see David Stearns and his guys do this all the time. These are the players that, that they bring in, and you always say, well, there's just no room. There's just no room. Same thing with Jackie Bradley. But, but, but to McKinney specifically, you know, a, a guy who was once a top prospect, a first-round draft pick, and he's right at that age where the analytics say, this is, this is the peak. This is like, this is when a, a, a guy puts together his best numbers, they go out and they take a flyer on him, and, and it tends to pay off. So, you know, it, it's a discouraging situation, but there's nothing to be discouraged about because 
it is working out in every way. That catch he made the other day, I, I said it on Twitter, like even one one-hundredth of a second before he made the catch, I didn't think he was going to make the catch. I, I still have a hard time believing that he made the catch, and I, and I watched it. What was your reaction to McKinney making that, that just incredible catch? I'm, I'm, I know this is the Internet, but I'm not allowed to use the words that I used when he made that catch. That, that, that sums it up right there. Fair enough. That's... Uh, you would know better than I would, uh, just in terms of your history around this organization and growing up in the area. I mean, that's isn't that literally probably one of the best catches in the the franchise's history? Absolutely. I mean, that ranks right up there. You know, it's it's one of those things, and we've talked about defense when I've been on the podcast and before. But you know, there is just such a jolt that comes from getting a play like that. Like, obviously. You know, you get a three-run home run to break a game open, that gives you some juice. Or, you know, a go-ahead home field, stuff like that. Obviously, that gives you some juice. But there's something about snuffing out a rally and stealing a big moment from another guy with a defensive gem. You know, you look at all the times that Lorenzo Cain has pulled a home run back from the wall. This is right up along those lines because, you know, that catch changes not just the inning, not just the game, but it also has the potential to change games down the road because it changes how you use your bullpen. It changes how you use your pitchers. And there's always a, a, a bowling ball effect where it, it affects things down the road. So it's just such a big momentum swing to get a play like that. And yeah, you're right. That definitely ranks right up there in the annals of, of cool catches in franchise history. All right, so you just talked about the fact how one one day can impact the other. And I think it's a really interesting time to talk about this. And you talked earlier about uh, Josh Lindblom and, and him just being able to kind of wear it in that Friday game against the Cubs, how that sort of saved things. When you really think about what happened over the last few days, so Lindblom goes, and I'm not saying he pitched well, he didn't pitch well, but he, he, he ate innings, and in a game that you just were not going to win, eating innings, quite bluntly, was more important than the performance that you had while eating those innings, and they were able to get out of that game with the bullpen fairly intact, and then they go into the next game, and they're able to win it, and they use their high leverage guys in FireEyes and, and Williams and Hayter, and then they go into the Sunday game, and they use Fire Eisen, and they use Williams, and you would assume that they would have gone to Hader in the ninth inning, but then the Brewers put up that five spot in the top of the ninth, and all of a sudden they can go to Eric Yardley, and now we'll see what happens on Monday, and some, pe- some of these people are probably listening to this podcast after Monday's game, but if it's a one-run or two-run lead, say, on Monday against the Marlins, that's going to be Hader out there pitching in the ninth inning, where if Hader would have had to come in for game three against the Cubs, you don't have Fire Eisen, you don't have Williams, and you don't have Hader. I just feel like these last four days from Limbloom eating up those innings to the five runs being scored in the ninth, like everything that happened, what, a, what an amazing example of how one day can really impact the next. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I, it's something that I've never really considered because I always try to look at things of the immediate nature when, when I'm covering the team. But, you know, when they talked about defense, and I did a story earlier this year looking at some of the big defensive plays, uh, there was the Avi Garcia catch, you know, that's against the Cubs uh, the last time they were in Wrigley. That changed in because you didn't have to get a guy up. Um, you know, those, those moments – pay off. And sometimes it may just seem like a catch. It may just seem like a tack on run or a late game solo home run. But 
they really do have a difference in, in games down the road. And over again, over the course of a 162 game season, that matters. That matters big time. And you're right. We've seen in the last couple of days just how much those kind of performances matter, especially Josh Lindblom's outing on Friday. It was abhorrent. It was painful. But what he was able to do by going out there, was, it just it was so important. I like it to back, I think it was 2011, maybe 12. Randy Wolf just got shelled. Just, he was getting nailed right out of the gate. But he stayed in there for, you know, four or five, maybe even six innings and just warned. Because you save your bullpen. You know how much, especially for a team like the Brewers, rely on their bullpen guys. The bullpen guys are so good. you got to do everything in your power to make sure those guys are being used in the most influential and effective situations possible. Finish you off with this. Um, Keston Hira, he had the three-hit day on Saturday. That was nice. He doesn't get a hit on Sunday at the same time. It was just horrendous weather conditions for hitting at Wrigley Field. So maybe in a normal day, he, he, he would have had a better day at the plate. But it continues to be this juggling act that the Brewers are, are trying to pull off of putting your best lineup out there, putting the lineup that gives you the best chance to win games now versus having a, just a strong belief in Keston Hira's bat that they want to invest in him and they want to continue to give him playing time because they believe that if they do that, his bat will eventually come around and it can be a truly impact bat and can be a bat that can really carry the offense for, for a long amount of time. All the while, you got a fan favorite and a guy who's a pretty consistent hitter in Daniel Vogelback who's sitting there you know, on the bench sometimes and fans, fans are calling for him to play more because they feel like he's giving the team a chance to win more right now and fans might be right right about that but in in many ways it's not about the right now play it's about the long-term play because they so strongly believe in in Keston here as bat so I mean that that's a lot of stuff right there what say you about the situation right now with Keston Hira I'm glad that I'm not the one that has to make those decisions every day I guess that's the, the starting point of it but yeah I, I think as long as the team is winning and he's not costing them games they're going to let him try to figure it out um, because they need him in that lineup. He does. He has the ability to carry that team with his bat uh, for, for long stretches. We've seen it happen before. They're able to kind of let that ride out right now because things are working in their favor. If it gets to a point where he's slumping and, and it, it's carrying over to the defensive side, if he's you know costing the team games, if, if they're not winning like they are now, then I think you might see more of Dan Vogelbach. Uh, but right now, they're they're winning. They're winning with him struggling. Um, so that gives you a little bit of leeway, a little bit of freedom to kind of let him work out of it. Because what's the alternative? He's not going to get better sitting on the bench. You know, we know that. And like we said earlier in the podcast, there's no minor leagues to send him down to right now. Like he can go to the alt site and just take hacks, but yeah. he can do that. You know, indicate the big league level. So. I think until it starts to become a liability, they're going to ride it out and wait for him to get hot. If it does get to a point where you know it's impacting them overall, then I think maybe you'll start to see a little bit of shift in the in the ratio. Yeah, I will be curious. So he's hitting about 150 right now. If he doesn't get significantly better at the plate and the AAA season does actually begin, and we've seen the team do it. If you remember when Travis Shaw two years ago, they, they did eventually actually send him to AAA, but at first they, 
they kind of find an injury, you give a little bit of a break, and then you get the guy to AAA on a, on a rehab assignment. That's that's a very common thing. You can you I'm not saying the injuries aren't there, but you can more often than not you can find an injury like that. Maybe that becomes part of the discussion if he's still where he's at in two, three weeks, a month or so, and the AAA season is full go. Yep, there's there, there's options right now. Right now, it's not costing them. Yeah. Right now, they, they, they've got the ability, um, and that that could change. But you know, as long as they're winning, I think I think you, you ride it out because he he does have the ability to get hot with one swing. We've seen it. We, we've seen it even this year in very smaller segments. It, it, it's an impact bat, and it's important to remember he's also a young player. Yeah. You know, you look at his overall body of work. I mean, he got called up at the end of what was it, 2000, 2019? Uh, and, and then he had that, you know, short season last year. You know, this is a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience yet at the big league level, and this happens to young players. You know, this is this is part of the development process. And once once things click, you know, I, I think he takes off. But for the time being, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. If if you are somebody that wants to throw Keston Hira away at this point. I would ask you to think back to a couple years ago, and I'm betting you were also somebody who wanted to throw Corbin Burns away. And maybe just think about your your line of thinking on that. That would be that would be my uh, advice on that. Absolutely, man. Freddie Peralta too. Yeah, you know, it's just when you invest in young players and the Brewers, that that is going to be their mo under under David Stearns. You know, invest in young talent. You're gonna get great performances like Corbin Burns in 2018. You're gonna get rough performances like Corbin Burns in 2019. You're gonna get performances like Keston Hero right now. That's just part of the nature of the game. When you rely on young talent, there are gonna be droughts, and right now Keston's one of them. But he's shown that he's the kind of player that will put in the work to figure it out and get himself out of it. All right, Andrew, great stuff as always. Uh, certainly appreciate your time. Encourage people to follow you on Twitter at uh, ByAndrewWagner, B-Y Andrew Wagner. Thanks uh, so much, and we will uh, have you back on here very, very soon. Thanks, Matt. Always enjoy it. That's Andrew Wagner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to uh, wrap things up. Coming up uh, this week, the Brewers, they have a seven-game homestand. This is their first week this season where they do not have an off day. And that's one of the big narratives going into the uh, going into the week and going into this period, the, the 17 days without an uh, off day, which began this past Friday. Are they at any point going to go to a six-man rotation or go to uh, a bullpen game here or there? That question gets even more murky with the fact that right now there's only four starters because Brett Anderson's on the injured list and one of his potential replacements in Josh Lindblom's on the injured list as well. So watching how the Brewers handle pitching through uh, the next week plus, the next scheduled off day for this team, it is uh, not scheduled until Monday. What is that? Monday? May 10th, yeah, so 
Coming up this week, three against Miami, four against the Dodgers at home. They then go on the road for four against the Phillies and three against Miami before they are going to be uh, off on Monday the 12th, and then they'll get a couple off days here over those uh, two weeks before they start up kind of a another stretch without uh, a bunch of off days. But, uh, yeah, how they're going to handle this starting rotation, I think right now that is uh, the number one question. Three games against the Marlins, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday and Tuesday, 640 starts, Wednesday a 12 40 start. Then they'll welcome in the Dodgers for a four-game series starting on Thursday going through Sunday. 6.40 the start time on Thursday. 7.10 the start time on Friday. And then they'll play 6.10 on Saturday. 1.10 on Sunday. All the games can be heard on WTMJ. And of course uh, we'll come your way with the Brewers Extra Innings postgame show. After all but one of those games, we will not have the extended postgame show following the weekday day game on Wednesday afternoon against Miami. But we'll have it the uh, rest of the days and just a reminder for you for folks that uh, I know we have a lot of Brewers fans that live outside of Wisconsin outside of the Milwaukee area who uh, listen to this podcast if you want to listen to the postgame show uh, on WTMJ a lot of people don't even try to listen to it because the games uh, from a streaming standpoint are blacked out for people outside of the Milwaukee five county area on the streaming well once the Brewers Network radio broadcast ends, and generally that's 15 to 25 minutes after the final pitch, uh, the stream goes back live, and we have the post-game show for you. So WTMJ.com on the WTMJ mobile app, on your uh, smart speaker, wherever you listen to uh, WTMJ. Uh, I promise you we will eventually get that uh, show streaming, so just uh, hang tight for... 20, 25, maybe at the absolute most 30, but generally probably 20, 25 minutes after a final pitch. And then you can hear the postgame show uh, live uh, streaming at WTMJ.com. All right, I appreciate uh, Andrew Wagner for joining us. I appreciate you for listening to us. And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.